Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh. Serve fast. Serve friendly. Lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Welcome to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's. Episode 41 continues Oscar's conversation with Terry Mobley. After playing for Coach Rupp, Terry found himself coaching alongside Coach Rupp's son, Herky. Terry shares the reason why he ended up coaching with Herky and who put him in that position. Originally hired on at the university by Dr. Otis Singletary in 1977, Terry spent 45 years as the chief fundraiser officer for UK. In 2002, he was named as UK's first vice president of development, and then he was named interim athletics director after the resignation of Larry Ivey. We'll get some behind the scenes about fundraising and how it benefits athletics. Terry reflects on his professional career as an administrator and interim athletics director and how he was able to handle some hard times. Terry offers up his thoughts on the former presidents, football and basketball coaches, and you'll get a little tour of the campus from back then to now. And what does academics mean to athletics and vice versa? To Terry Mobley, it means everything. I'm Bo Robinson, and this is part two of the story of a former basketball player who turned administrator and loves the University of Kentucky more than you could ever imagine. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's, and his guest, Terry Mobley. We're going to talk just a few minutes here about uh, beyond your college days when you get out of school. Yeah. You start out, you stay in the coaching field, coaching high school with Herky Rupp? Well, uh, just one year. and uh, Did that, you teach also or just coach? Yeah, no, I taught five history courses at Lafayette. Uh, coach Rupp asked me to do that. And, uh, and I said, Coach, I don't – coaching's never been in my blood. And he says, well, Terry, he says, Herky's too nice a guy. He said, he's just like his mother. And and I need somebody to go out there and help him out. And so uh, uh, I said, well, let me give it some thought. And uh, you come back to see me tomorrow. So he told Ms. Rollins, he said, Ms. Rollins, you make sure Terry gets back down here tomorrow. I said, I don't have a teaching certificate, I don't have anything, I'm not prepared for this, and so forth and so on. He said, you come back see me tomorrow. So I did, and I got to thinking at the time, well, I gotta take two correspondence courses, because I thought you're supposed to graduate in four years, and did. And uh, so I go back down there, I said, I've, Coach, I've given this some thought, but I'm not going to spend the time with those correspondence courses. They take a lot of work. He said, I know it. But he said, I got Linda that's going to do those for you, meaning Herky's wife. And uh, I said, well, how about my 
teaching certificate. He said, well, Bob Sparks, who's a superintendent of education at the time, is going to take care of that for you in Frankfurt. He already had everything fixed. Well, I, then I was boxed in. I, <laughs> you had no excuse to back out? I, I, I had no excuse to back out. So I said, well, okay. So he sent, I don't remember who it was, over to uh, the university bookstore, uh, which was back on the backside of campus then, and uh, got me my history books. And uh, Linda did my work. I had one history course at Eastern, one at Western. Now, I studied for them. It wasn't any gift or anything. And uh, that's how that happened. So after a few years of that, uh, one year you say? One. And uh, then later on you went to IBM? That's right. What did you do at IBM? I was a office products salesman, uh, copiers, electric. That was about the time that the uh, Selectric typewriter was coming out. And uh, so uh, uh, the first, uh, that was out at, uh, well, on New Circle Road. And you had the manufacturing facility across the street, but then a, there was the engineering facility. And so they put me in a recruiting position. And then they moved me to uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland. And I became the employee relations manager of the federal division. It was a big job, actually. I say that. Uh, well, I don't mean it in any other way other than humility, but uh, I, I was there for, in D.C., for four years. And then I came back here. And, How did you wind up back here? Well, because... Uh, the guys that were making the money were in sales. And uh, they uh, offered to give me the state government territory. And I had the state government territory. So uh, uh, I was here for state government, well, three or four years, two, two or three or four years. And Dr. Singletary approached me. Uh, but he just said, I have this opportunity at the university that I want you to at least consider. He and Ray Hornback met, met with him for breakfast down at the, uh, whatever the club was on top of First Security. Lafayette Club. Lafayette Club. And uh, for breakfast one morning. And uh, that was in 76. Uh, so that was the beginning of my association with the university that created 45 years worth. You were more or less a pioneer in the fundraising field as far as the oh, university was concerned. Not more or less was. <laughs> less, as I told you earlier, it, you know, you did what you had to do, but it, 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 I have been so blessed and, and, uh, our, when our son prematurely died here a few months ago, uh, I wish you could have been at Milbert's on uh, the visitation. It was fr I don't know, whatever Rob Milbert told me, 500 and something people there. And I mean, it was just, you know, when I tell people, 
I had an association with UK for 45 years. That seems like a lot, but but one year is 365 days. So you multiply that, and you'll get to 45 years pretty uh, quickly. But uh, uh, but but between my I told somebody between my strong faith uh, and friends, family. Uh, well, just friends in general. It's it's been a life that for a guy that was born where he was and raised where he was to have never thought that it would ever happen. Seventy-seven, you come back here in the university and raised. Uh, Bukash gives three point one million in seventy-seven, and you immediately. Uh, took it to 60.9 million. Yeah. And then you had a $600 million gold campaign that turned out to be a billion dollars when right. it was all over with. Right. Um, who are some of the key people that you reached out to? I, I know close and near to your heart is yeah. the W.T. Young Library. There are those out there, <clears throat> there are givers, there are takers. All of that doesn't just happen. It's over a period of time. And there are those that have the ability to give, uh, that have the ability to give, that don't give. There are those that give with less ability. So uh, all of that doesn't, doesn't just happen. Um, needless to say, Mr. Young, uh, did well in life and was a tough guy to deal with. But it wasn't just UK. I mean, he's done so much or did so much for our community. Uh, probably the first major gift that I feel somewhat uh, responsible for uh, was, was Mr. Nutter. And, uh, and not that there weren't others uh, involved. Cliff was involved. Uh, early on, but uh, uh, we, uh, Seth Hancock helped me with that. But that was when everybody was saying, we need a field house. Uh, that was Bill Curry. And until we start putting together the pieces of the puzzle, we're not ever going to be able to recruit, which is true. So Mr. Nutter would, uh, and, and mainly because he liked uh, Becky, my wife, so well, or she knew him before then, and then uh, uh, after that, of course, uh, you, you got to throw right at the top Bill Gatton. I mean, for what this guy has done for the university is is just unbelievable, and uh, and I'm not talking about just the business school and athletics, but the student center and. And it just goes on and on what what he has done and been a dear friend uh, through all of that. Uh, uh, Jim Hardiman, I mean, I, I, I'm always afraid I'm gonna leave somebody out uh, when, when I start mentioning uh, those names uh, because there are a lot of people 
that could do more than they've even done. Uh, but it's, it, ask her to see, to see when I started as a student in 61, the turnaround of this campus just blows my mind. And uh, as I said earlier, I enjoyed working for, for Dr. Singletary, uh, for Dr. Roselle, for Dr. Weatherman, for Dr. Todd, but, but, what, but what this current president has done has just blown me away. Uh, I want to talk about them in a minute, but first, uh, almost from the get-go, from Dr. Singletary on, it appeared like to some of us, sort of on the outside, but close to the inside, that each of these presidents you just mentioned, going back to Dr. Singletary, tend to lean on you perhaps for insight to the athletic side of the community, being an ex-player, being around the people. Uh, it's always, it always seemed like when a crisis came up or a need came up, they would always say, uh, Terry, come in, let's talk. Yeah. Well, you're very astute, and they did. And Dr. Singletary said, I think these are his words. They sure were the words of Dr. Roselle and Dr. Todd. Well, and Charles too. They said, Terry, you're the only guy that can walk down both sides of the street and not be criticized. Because there's always been the heel versus yes. athletics. That's right. And and I said, well, then use me that way. And they did. So if Dr. Singletary, if Dr. Singletary wanted some information, he'd say, Terry, I, here's what I need. And I said, fine, it was no problem to get. Uh, I'd just be truthful with people. And and the interesting part about it, Oscar, you, you, you have to go back, uh, good, goodly or badly, to what really was going on at the time because it was the first of the cave fund. And Harry Lancaster called me before he hired Cliff, and I was still in uh, D.C. And uh, they didn't want to pay anything. And... Uh, uh, but that was 72 when Cliff started the K-Fund and called Absolute Egg for it. And, and, uh, but I'll have to say he did a pretty good job. Now, people didn't like it, uh, but it had to be done. So what was I doing during that period of time? I was defending what athletics were doing. In the early 80s, you brought in an ex-coach who join you Dick Parsons right never been a better guy in the world than Dick Parsons and as time goes along in the late 80s you had uh, unfortunate NCAA violations and Eddie Sutton departed right what kind of advice did you uh, provide in that because uh, you had two you had two situations before you retired that one and then another one in 2000, 2001. Right. But it, it was very obvious during both of them that people were trying to lead, read tea leaves from where you yeah. turn left, turn right. Yeah. Those, uh, being a former athlete there in my heart, 
uh, with the institution, uh, those are just not good times. Now, whether or not Eddie was vetted properly, I, I don't know. It wouldn't appear that he was. Well, let me just say I got him some help. And I, Frank, I Frank. think most people close in feel like today that maybe if he'd had help earlier than that, that maybe all that wouldn't have happened. Well, I would say that that's that that is probably correct. Uh, he, in, he he needed help, and I've been on the Hope Center board even at that time, ten years. And I said, I said to my dear friend, who's an AA guy, uh, we need to get Eddie some help. And he flew to Nashville, was where it first started, and uh, got him some help. Not too long after that, Rick Patino comes in in the early nineties, and Jim Host on a podcast he did with me a few months ago talked about the time, and I later discussed a little bit with Dr. Weathington in the early 80s when John Swafford, who was uh, athletic director at North Carolina, right, and Tom Butters, who was athletic director at Duke, uh, made overtures that the ACC would uh, like to add Kentucky and that those two schools would sponsor them if they wanted to come. Well, here's, they they asked me to take the interim, and which was for six months, and until we could hire Mitch, who I think's done a great job. Well, that was a little bit later too. That was in no, 2001. That was in 2002. And two. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, how difficult was that for you? Well, it was difficult, but Oscar, it was for a a uh, a different reason that you may think. Larry Ivy was a dear friend, uh, and we worked together twenty five years. Never had a crossword. Never, never asked him for anything that he wouldn't deliver on. Now, for me to be called in one morning and know that my friend's door on his, at his office was gonna be locked. Pretty hard to, to, for a friend to go to or go through. So uh, anyway, I, it, it is, it's, it's locked, unbeknownst to Larry. Now, there's some reasons for it, and I think most of us are familiar with some of the accusations in Larry's personal life. But anyway, I get back to my other office over in the Sturgill building, and uh, after a, a hundred of my closest friends <laughs> had called me, and I go through them, and there's a call from Larry. And I thought, well, might as well get this over with. And so uh, I called him, and I, I had, and I had told Doctor Todd, I said, I'll take this, but you have to understand, I'll have to say some nice things about my friend Larry. I am not a hypocrite. And he said, you say whatever you want to. I said, all right, then don't be shocked when I do. He said, I'm fine. So I called Larry and 
uh, Darlene answers. And uh, she said, oh, hold on, Terry. Larry will want to talk to you. So I said, fine, here I am. So, he, he, of course, he called everybody Podge. And uh, he said, Podge, I just want to thank you for what you said publicly. I said, Larry, it's the truth. I've never run, for, excuse me, I've never run from the truth. And I said, I didn't say anything that you don't deserve having said. And I'll say it again if I need to. He said, no, it just takes guts basically to go against your sitting president. So it doesn't take any guts for me. You know, as I used to tell the children, when all else fails, tell the truth. And uh, so that's how we uh, started that off and never had one. I don't even know where Larry is, to be honest with you. Just a few more little descriptions here of people. From you being an ex-athlete, yeah. ex-administrator, mm-hmm. uh, long-time administrator, um, give me a give me a line on the coaches since you returned yeah. over there. We'll just start out with Fran Kersey. Well, that's before my, you know, Fran left in '72, and uh, I mean, he came in '72, left in '72. And so, uh, probably the reason the stadium was built, Dr. Singletary thought the world of him. They were golf playing buddies. And then, do we get John Ray after that? No, John was before it. Yeah, before that. And then uh, it's Fran, and then it was Jerry. Jerry. Clayton. Yeah, you, you can't argue with Jerry's heart. Uh, was he the right one at the time? I don't know. Uh, you know, you go through the mummy. We you got Bill Curry next. Yeah, uh, which Bill was not, well, I thought the world of Bill, a good human being, but uh, not what we needed at the time, I'll say. Then Mummy. Yeah. I can't argue with Mummy. He, he lit a fire. I mean, now, was his coaching staff a little questionable? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, maybe, but he brought excitement. And don't forget, we needed to put some fans in the seats. You had Guy Morse for two years who actually yeah. fell into it from the mummy yeah. deal. Yeah, I like Guy. Uh, not quite enough excited. He, didn't, he couldn't understand why I wouldn't name him uh, permanent head coach. And I said, Guy has nothing whatsoever to do with you. I don't think any person in a temporary position should be naming people to permanent positions. And he kind of understood that. Rich Brooks? Well, I thought the world was rich. And then Joker? Forget the prejudice. I'm not, I don't have a prejudice bone in my body. Uh, I have nothing but admiration for what Joker has done. He just, he was chosen for the wrong reasons. Mark Stoops. Well, I guess time will tell uh, on that. The the breeding is there. Uh, can you do any better than Mark? I don't. He can't throw any more money at it than we have. But but I, I'm impressed with Mark. We'll flip over to uh, Coach Rupp and then Joe Hall. 
in basketball. Well, what? We switch over to basketball, oh, okay. coach up than Joe Hall. Well, how can you get anybody to do any better than Joe did? Now, I realize he was 72 to 85. There are 13 years. Uh, I, I think Joe, uh, who, who are you going to get to do any better job than Joe did? Uh, I just don't see it. Nettie Sutton? Well, as I said earlier, I, I feel like we probably didn't handle all that exactly right. Rick Patino years. Well, he brought it back. I mean, uh, you know, what What did he say? Of course, I lived across the street from him for eight or nine years, and Rick did a lot of good things. He, he, Rick is not a, as bad a person. Now, I'm not saying he's always used good judgment, uh, needless to say, but there's a lot of good in Rick Patino, and uh, maybe a little more prudent judgment would uh, have made things made life easier for all of us. Tubby Smith. Not a better guy in the world. Billy Clyde Gillespie. Not a worse guy in the world. John Calipari. Oh, I uh, I don't see a lot of difference in he and Rick, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you, in their personalities, I mean, you know. What and, do you think the athletics program the status of the overall program, and then in particular football and basketball stand today, and what do you see in the future? Well, uh, uh, I think it's as strong as you could possibly make it. I hope it's not for the wrong reasons. Uh, uh, when you understand the amount of money that is coming into athletics, and Mitch's willingness uh, and the athletics uh, committee of the board to share it with the academic areas, whether it's the research building, uh, the new dorms, the, the partnerships that have been formed, uh, athletics helping pay for a lot, new law school, athletics helping pay for a new business school. If you haven't been inside the new business school, you need to spend some time. It's absolutely fantastic. So I th the faculty, actually, you have what I refer to, and I don't mean it really in a negative way, but there's a silky blue jacket crowd out there that think that the university exists only for athletics. That's not what it's about. And the quicker people can figure out that you can have both. People don't realize that it's possible for good academic institutions to also have good athletic uh, history and, and uh, inclinations. And uh, uh, they asked me to speak, uh, well, I guess it's two years ago now, to my 50th uh, class reunion at UK and uh, and I did of course I was just beginning with this situation that I'm in and uh, I couldn't stand or uh, brace myself or anything else so I had them just sit me down in a chair up in front of the room like a fire chat with a portable mic 
and all the former presidents were there and all that stuff. They've been much too kind to me. And so uh, I go through the what you look like that's here. Don't lie to each other. You hadn't. Don't tell somebody you hadn't changed a bit. You have. <laughs> don't don't tell somebody it's so glad to see you. You don't even know who you're talking to. And and so I go I go through all, all of that. What tuition was because we were you alluded though we didn't get in. There were eight thousand students when I started there in '61, and uh, thirty-one thousand, of course, now. And and so uh, I get into now. Let's take a campus tour. So I start with Holmes Hall. How many of you women, which they all had to, lived in Holmes Hall? And of course, all the women's hands went. I said, you know what? It ain't here anymore. Might as well get used to it. It's not here. So then I take them on up limestone there, and uh, knowing there's more coming. coming. And uh, you got Patterson Hall, and the only reason it's still there, because I was on the board at the time, is is to save the historical significance, uh, which we did, beautiful inside. Then I get into how many of you lived in Keeneland. Well, of course, half the women lived. And I said, you know what? Sorry, folks, it ain't there anymore. And so then we go across and uh, we get kind of the Patterson office, uh, uh, not Patterson. Uh, Kerwin Tires? No, not yet. Uh, Patterson dorm is there, Blazer Hall. We get to Blazer Hall and I said, 18 months from now, it ain't going to be there. And I said, how many of you lived in Blazer Hall? They, of course, raised their hand. I said, that just meant you were the smart one. I said, I wasn't smart enough to have a date with anybody that lived in Blazer. And so we talked about that. Then we get rid of Cholby Hall, Wildcat Lodge, and come down that side of the street. And then, of course, get to the craft center. And uh, I, I said, let me tell you something about the significance of the craft center. It doesn't have anything to do with whose office is inside. Look at the number of athletes that they're paying full scholarship to send to your university. So we go down through all of the dorms and uh, uh, and the new student center. You won't believe this thing when it's finished. 160 million should look pretty good. And, uh, uh, and then we get to the upgrades uh, of, of every place else. And I said, that's what athletics can do for you. That's what they do at Stanford. Do you think Stanford has an athletic budget that we have? No, they don't. But they sure put performers out on the field. So uh, any, anyway, if you put athletics and, and academics in the proper perspective, you can have both. And and I think it's what Dr. Capilouto is has done. Now I say this, Oscar, not to impress you, but I'm well, I spend too much time here by myself, but but the, I sense movement because it's it's lonely here uh, when you're here. I mean Becky's here a lot. But I I sense movement about nine o'clock 
three or four nights ago. And I thought, well, who is this? So I put my glasses on. It's Dr. Capilouda. He was here an hour. And whatever that means, he said, I'm, I'm just here to check on my boy. Let's sort of wind up here in a way that okay. let you comment on five individuals who has arguably meant the most to the university over the last 40, 50 years, yeah. and that's the presidents. Let's start out with Dr. Singletary. Well, I loved him to death, of course. Uh, how can you not? And uh, uh, he earns every, every accolade that he got. Uh, but, you know, regardless of what academics, the academic folks thought about Dr. Singletary, he was a heck of a guy. The shortest term president we've had in the last 50 years, I guess, was Dr. Rosell, who came in and had some tough times that he had to address. Well, he, he did, but he was a tough guy. Everybody thought the world of Dr. Rosell. And uh, sometime when we have more time, I'll tell you some Rosell stories. Because uh, uh, Becky and I had to go host a dinner party at Maxwell, or he asked us to. Uh, a dinner party at Maxwell Place the night that he was announcing that he was taking the job at at uh, Delaware. Uh, we're sitting there saying, oh, he'll, he'll be back in a few minutes. I said, oh, well, won't you all, they were from California, I want you all to meet the new president of Delaware. So, and did. But that's, it's a different, it's a funny story. But anyway, we, we needed him at the time, but he got hung up in the political ramifications. Dr. Charles Wethington. Oh, Charles. The beauty of Charles Wethington, he's black and white. There was never, if you want to know where he stood, ask him, he'd tell you. Dr. Lee Todd. Well, Lee, you, you, you have two, uh, two management styles here. Charles Wethington could tell you where every buck was. I bet you still can. Dr. Todd wasn't interested in that. He didn't want to fool with Charles sign your expense accounts. Dr. Todd wasn't interested in that. He had that vision out there that was uh, uh, centered around research and and, uh, uh, and what UK could be. Lee was interested. Uh, now, of course, it depends on what kind of budget you're handled, uh, handed, but uh, um, they all had their strengths. I, I can't point out any witnesses. And, and of course, Dr. Capilouto well, is currently here. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jim Stuckert and I handled that uh, search committee. And I'll give Jim credit, but uh, God, we met and we met and we met. And uh, every now and then you just get lucky. I'd be the first to admit it. And I, I don't want to say that the bonding... Uh, issues, the private partnerships uh, that we're now allowed to have. There, there are a lot of things that that influence and continue to influence uh, Dr. Capilouto's ability to make all of these changes, but he's done it. Would I be stepping too far out of bounds and saying that in particularly the UK hospital, the health services, 
might have faced some really hard times if the president wasn't Eli Capilouto. Don't think there's any question. As a matter of fact, uh, I asked Jim Stucker, who's here almost every day. Uh, I said, I just want five, before we take a final vote, uh, I just want five minutes of speech time. This is at the airport in Cincinnati. And he said, well, if, of course. And he said, Terry, you wanted to say a few, few words. And I said, yes. I said, I hope we're unified as a board. If we're not, that's okay. That's the reason that you have public boards. But I said, I just want to tell you something. The next most important hire at the University of Kentucky after we choose whomever the president is going to be today will be who selects Michael Karp's replacement. And I said, there's only one candidate that has a PhD from Harvard in healthcare. Now, how smart do you have to be to figure that out? That was in the the end of conversation. That was the end of the conversation. And he, he knows that. When someone writes a history book, say the 250th anniversary of the University yeah. of Kentucky, what would you like to be said about you in it? That's pretty simple, in my opinion, because egotistical. Uh, I am not, and obviously, just counting the number of days uh, here. If they don't use anything but the word, had a great life. Integrity, honesty, and credibility. If, if those words are mixed with whatever memory people may have of me, I'm fine.